Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron. So the first episode of Hard Knocks in season featuring the Arizona Cardinals is next week. Finally. So this Cards head coach Cliff Kingsbury notice the cameras? No, I, they do a great job of kind of um, laying in the shadows and you, you don't notice it much, almost to a, to a fault. But say some things that maybe could get you canceled and have to kind of give them the, okay, that's out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't interrupt anything. They do a great job with it. He went on to say? Yeah, I hate watching myself do anything, so I won't, won't watch it. But I, I am excited for fans to see the type of people we have. I I know they do some behind the scenes with families and um, stories of, of kind of origin stories and things like that. And we have some great stories on our team. So with how the season started for the Arizona Cardinals, do you think this hard knocks in season with cameras around could be a good thing? To really get to see what's going on behind the scenes. This is what I'll say. It could be either a really good thing or a really bad thing, Wolf. But it's something different. That's not necessarily the worst thing in the world right now where it just kind of feels like they're middling. Like, it's either going to... We've heard. We've heard people around them say, hey, maybe it'll get people a little more focused, hyper yeah, whatever. Right. It may it may make things a lot worse. But either way, it's at least something different. Yeah, for me personally, um, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, that's a something. You know, you know, if I'm going to actually watch it... Um, even though I disagree with it fundamentally, once again, from a player's perspective, um, yeah, you know what? I think this is something that it's you're three and five right now. You're three and five. I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on guys inside that locker room, and I think it's going to produce goodness. We'll see. You're you're three and five, and you have the label now of not being able to win consistently in the second half of the season. Yes. So there's going to be a spotlight on both those things right now. At six and one, the Suns are off to their best start since the 2009-2010 season. So, is Suns general manager James Jones surprised? He told Burns and Gamble yesterday. No, I mean I think uh, for us collectively as a group, we've been, you know, we've been through this situation before. Our top five guys, they've been playing well together, and uh, they've they've just continued to do the things that we did last regular season. Um, but you know, our bench has been great. Um, and, and Devin's been phenomenal. You know, you talk about Cam and Mikel. Uh, those guys have been been exceptional early, and, and they've, they've been really driving us to the this, this success that we've had so far. So after losing JaVale McGee this offseason and pretty much losing Jay Crowder this offseason and with DA being hurt, are you surprised by how the Suns have started the season? Yes. Are you? Yes, I, I really am. Um, to be 6-1 and one right now? The way they've played, there's no doubt about it. I thought this bench was going to take a long time to actually come together. I thought this bench, I was very worried about the bench coming in, as most people were. Um, 
Camp Johnson. I didn't expect him to have a lackluster beginning the way that he did. And now he's starting to heat up. It's very, very cool. Um, Watching Chris Paul play not like Chris Paul until recently here, taking over and, and playing well in crunch time in the fourth quarter. It's been a weird experience. I'm, I am surprised that they're 6-1, and one, especially with the schedule they had. I, I would say I'm encouraged by some of the stuff you just said. I wouldn't. The only game that has surprised me is them beating Golden State by 29. That That's, you know, Golden State's a really good basketball team. I, I said at the start of the season, I think the Suns are still one of the three or four best teams in the NBA. I still think they're a Western Conference Finals team. So 6-1 and one isn't, like, shocking, but there is you know, the bench. Jock Landale has surprised me. How's that? If you want to look for something that has surprised me, Jock Landale has surprised me with so how you quickly were confident he's been in the bench going into this season. No, I was just confident in the team winning a lot of games oh, this season. No, I had questions about the bench, not and legitimate just questions, not oh they're going to be bad or oh they're going to be good. Just who knows? But I I have been pleasantly surprised by Jock Landale to do what he is doing this quickly. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks: After the Suns' hot start, do you believe they have shaken off the 2022 postseason loss? So your choices are yes, no, or need more time to tell. Um, yes, but I, I think they are intentionally going to do that over the course of the season. I don't think beating Dallas in the first game, they were just like, oh, last season. I think they're using last season to drive them this season. <laughs> I was going to say no for the exact same reason. <laughs> no, I don't think they have forgotten what happened. It's one of the reasons why they're taking the approach uh, and the philosophy that they are in this season. So, no, I don't think they've Yeah, wait, so, so is this like one of those things on the ballot where it's like, if you want no, you have to vote yes? <laughs> like, what, what am I... So maybe I need to vote no. I, I don't think they're over last season. I don't think it's hurting them. I think it's helping them. So 43% say they need more time to tell, 39% say yes, and then 19% say no. Wow. So interesting. According to reports, the Brooklyn Nets had been in cursory talks with one Western Conference team about a deal that would return a veteran shooter, and Ben Simmons' name came up in those talks. What are the odds that veteran shooter is Jay Crowder? Uh, it, it could be. I wouldn't write it off. I'm more interested, I guess, in how Ben Simmons' name came up in those talks. Was it Brooklyn being like, hey, any interest in Ben Simmons and the Suns or whoever the other team is being like, no, (laughs) good luck with that? I I don't know. I mean, Ben Simmons was a good player a couple years ago. Like, he legitimately was. He's never been a good shooter, but he was a good player. But since then, he doesn't play much, and he refuses to shoot. So... I think he can turn his career around to a certain extent, but I don't think it needs to be on Phoenix. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if there's any truth to this whatsoever. I know, though, that when you use the word cursory now, you're talking about something that is um, maybe not even worth reporting on. When you're talking about cursory, they've had some cursory conversations. I mean, it's... It makes it sound even more suspicious. You know, I, who knows? What, did they have a, a two-minute conversation about it? Was there any validity behind it whatsoever? It sounds a little smoky to me. And the Astros threw a combined no-hitter in Game 4 of the World Series, defeating the Phillies 5 nothing. What did you think of the game last night? I mean, do you think a combined no-hitter is a big deal? 
Yes. Yeah, in the World Series it <laughs> it's is. It's only the second time that it's ever happened in the World Series. So, um, yeah, I would say I think it is a big deal. Um, not only that, too, we got a series now, don't we? This we is, got a series, I, This is baby. not the series I wanted no. to watch. And in back-to-back games, we've had the Phillies hit five home runs, and we've had the Phillies get no hit. And to answer Maloney's <laughs> question, yeah, it's pretty impressive because I'll go back to what I said when the Dodgers got eliminated. And I don't remember who was broadcasting the game, but they said the flaw of what you are doing as Dave Roberts, if you're going to take your starter out after five innings no matter what, is you're asking your starter and four bullpen guys to be dialed in that, that night. It's a lot easier to have one pitcher dialed in than five pitchers dialed in. And, and not only that, too, let me just say, um, I love this. We've got a series. It's 2-2, right? The World Series. This is the way it ought to be. This isn't a coronation. This is a competition suddenly. I thought it was going to be a coronation. I thought the Astros in five, and if somebody told me that it was going to be a sweep, I would have believed it. And now all of a sudden, here you are, 2-2. Thursday night. Who's on the hill? Who's on the hill for the Astros? For the Phillies, it's like a bullpen game. Well, they're not playing tonight. That's Justin the irony. Verla- I, I, not tonight. Justin Verlander tomorrow night. Justin Verlander. Does he have a World Series he's, win? He, uh, he's I thought they were playing tonight. No, I, I think the Phil- Philly and, and no, Houston no, no, are playing no. like football. Night. Yeah, yeah, it's Thursday night. No, I'm sorry. Yes. No, this is Thursday night. I know. I'm saying. Yeah. I, I that's what I, I made it sound like it was tonight. It's tomorrow night. But the World Series is tonight. Oh too, yeah, though. they had to move. Yeah, because they moved the rain oh, game. Oh my! They did. Gosh. It's Justin Verlander versus <laughs> Noah Syndergaard. But yes. Syndergaard's supposed to Justin go like Verlander. two innings. Okay, so yeah. anyways, my whole point. Forget about whether the game was tonight or tomorrow. Night. <laughs> I was like, wait, is today <laughs> Wednesday? My whole point was Justin Verlander. Yeah. Okay. I mean, here's a guy. He doesn't have a World Series win. Doesn't have it. How about that? How bizarre is it, though, that it's going to be the Houston Texans versus the Philadelphia Eagles tonight on Thursday That's Night Football? The thing, yeah. And then the Philadelphia Phillies versus the Houston Astros. And, and originally, originally, yeah, there wasn't supposed to be baseball tonight. It was just supposed to be the football game. And, and now here we are. And now that we've confused everybody in the Valley, let me just say this. There's baseball and football on tonight. All right. When we come back. What does DeAndre Hopkins think about the Cardinals play calling? He weighed in. We'll get you his response next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show on this Thursday afternoon. Wolf, I've looked out the window three times in the last 20 minutes. Once it was raining, then it was sunny. Now it's raining again. This is... This is so cool, though. What a neat day, man, here in the basin to actually see this. Um, And one of the reasons why it's so great is because, you know, hey, tomorrow, the chances of this still being around, not good. In like three hours, it might not be. Like (laughs) I said earlier, I I love this weather in in moderation. I just don't love it the week the Seahawks are coming to town. I don't like it when the Seahawks show up and it starts raining. Seattle Seahawks! There we go. Yeah, okay. A little garbage for you. This is kind of, you know, I'm digging this right now. It is good rainy music. I, I still think Shaq is the way to go, although I don't think you can play a song why, on the why air. Why do you keep talking about Shaq? Because I'm I'm mystified by the Shaq. fact that you haven't heard Can't Stop the Rain by okay. Shaq. All right. Um, Shaq. Okay, you're talking about the Shaq, The right? Shaq, yeah. 
Um, would you say it's my brand of music if I heard it? Would you, um, would you say it's, no. Well, why, why are you shocked then that I haven't heard <laughs> because this? Because it's Shaq. Because it's Shaq. Okay. And Biggie's on the song. It's Shaq and Biggie together, finally. Okay, I, I see. All right. All right. Back to football. Um, next. Here we go. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins asked about his coach. Does, does Cliff know how to call plays? Here's DeAndre Hopkins. Like I said, I play a lot of balls, so there are a lot of things that I see. Uh, but at the same time, Cliff does a great job of calling plays. And, and putting us in position, it's just on us to execute. Now, Zoe said this when he was in here before, and it's it's actually a pretty pretty astute point. Wolf, uh, Hop's getting like fourteen targets a game. If I were getting fourteen targets a game, yeah. I would love the plays as well. Yeah, you know what though? Once again, this is just me personally knowing what I'm told because I really don't know D Hop, and knowing what I'm told by some of his teammates. Um. D Hop is a bit of a contrarian. <laughs> okay, so you don't say. If you start messing with some of his teammates, he's going to mess with you. Yeah. Can I just tell you that? That's who he is. That's good. You got to have that guy. And I'm just saying, man. Did he? Does he strike you as being that type of individual? Because you know what? Honestly, before he showed up here with the Arizona Cardinals, I didn't think he was like that. I didn't know much about him personality wise. Before he got to the Cardinals, other than you're going to laugh, the Texans were on Hard Knocks a few years ago. So, but, but that was it. Other other than that, I just knew he was a really good receiver who didn't have a whole lot of consistent quarter play and quarterback play in his life until he got here. Yeah, he just he's one of these guys that you know what? Um, I might go walk up on my teammate and say, "What are you doing?" He's one of these guys that will challenge his teammates. He's going to challenge himself, the accountability. I talk about it all the time. But I also love the fact he doesn't want you challenging them. No. You understand that? I'm going to challenge you. You can't do it. Because if you challenge him, I'm going to challenge you. It's like when we hear, like, Keyshawn or somebody ripping the Cardinals. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> we can rip the Cardinals because we're, we're suffering through it. You don't get this to sit over there in New York. Is, yeah. This is who he is. I love the – do you think DeAndre Hopkins, ask yourself this. And you guys, I, I listen, based on his, I, I don't care where you are on this one. I really don't. Whether you think Cliff stinks as a play caller or Cliff is great as a play caller. I don't care. Do you think that play calling has been an issue? It's been a big issue with Cliff Kingsbury locally here lately. Yes, of course. Do you think DeAndre Hopkins knows that? Yes. He's very subtle, but not subtle. Go back and watch anybody that hasn't seen it before, or even if you haven't seen it in a while. Remember the Josh Norman, <laughs> the, the conversation he was having with Cliff? It was, it was a game last year, right, where Josh Norman, it looked like Josh Norman and Cliff were arguing in the game. If you go back and watch the slow motion, DeAndre Hopkins just slides right into frame, like, hey, what's going on over here? Or like when Cliff and Kyler were getting into it on the sidelines right. of Thursday Night Football, That's who right. got in there and broke it up. Hop seems like he's very mellow, low-key, hey, what's going on? But he knows everything that's going on. Strong. And I don't think it's a mistake that he is standing up for his coach or an accident that he's standing up for his coach right now when he knows his coach is being scrutinized. Yes. I don't think that's an accident at all. There are no accidents with DeAndre Hopkins. By the way, when D-Hop said that, did he look away when he said it or just stare straight ahead? <laughs> I love it, man. You did, yeah, I just said it. What are you going to say about it? It's a nine-second soundbite and then just silence. Beautiful. Until somebody asks him about being moved around the field more this year. That's obviously good, but didn't win us the game, so uh, 
and I'm not saying that lost us the game either, but it definitely put us in position, but it didn't win us the game. So for me, it's whatever I can do to help us win, wherever, wherever I need to be at. And, uh, and obviously, Cliff did, did a good job these past two weeks. He's trying to move me around. I can tell that the game plan, um, you know, is that to kind of just get me involved in different places. And uh, obviously, you know, sometimes just to get other guys open, and I love it. If the last two games were the start of the season, Wolf, yeah. If if there was, and this is, look, maybe that means if DeAndre Hopkins hadn't missed the first six games, but if the last two games are the first two games of the season, would there be any panic around this team right now from the fan base? I don't think so. You beat New Orleans and you lost a a close game to Minnesota. Now, yeah, again, I'll keep coming back to this. You'll get the plays in. No, no wasting timeouts consistently. You're going to do it sometimes. No delay of games after a timeout, but two games in, if, if you're just looking at the last two games, you beat an okay team. You lost to a really good team on the road. The offense scored. You're moving the ball. Yes. It's I, not great, but you're moving the ball. I know, man. I, I know. It's just the, the, just to hear you talk about the the timeouts and burning the timeouts once again. It's like this has got to get fixed, man. Hopefully, I never this, speak this, of it again after Friday. I, I know this. It, it has got to get fixed again. Are you gonna? Does it happen in a game? Yes, it does. One it of happens. them saved the sack on it, Sunday. One yes. of them ended up working Listen, out really well. It happens in the game of football. It does. It just typically doesn't happen twice a game. Every game. Yeah, that's the issue, obviously, because you know? it's going to burn you at some point. And yes. it did. And it has. It, that wasn't the first time it burned them either. Here's more from DeAndre Hopkins on the huddling. I don't have the answers for everything. I go out and, and execute uh, my job whenever I'm, I'm called on. I try to do the best of my abilities. What help us? Uh, it's, you know, that's 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 something that's above my pay grade. Uh, I just go out and execute and run my plays when, I'm, when it's called. Can you, I, I get what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> when you're paid as much as DeAndre Hopkins, is anything above your pay grade? I feel like you have to say it a different way. Right. Um, but he, he he is. It's not like he's got the green dot. He does not have the green dot. Kyler Murray has the green dot, and Cliff and Kyler have got to get this logistically worked out, whatever it may be, that has been the problem. they got to get it worked out. Yeah, everything it's else is secondary. Just, honestly, you've got to get on the same page. How long is DeAndre Hopkins? Okay, he's still signed for a while. All right, I was just double-checking that. I want to make sure that he's <laughs> making sure he's got a contract. Not slowing down, is he? No, That's no, really, no. really good. I mean, they look like two completely different football teams with him. Um, unfortunately, those first six games did count, and they are three and five. But, you know, it, it's he said in there what you often say, just go out and do your job and execute. For DeAndre Hopkins, it looks easy for him to go out there and do his job and execute. For the team collectively, it has been a challenge so far this season. No, you're right about that. And they got to just continue. Listen, um, this game coming up, as we all know, this this is a metaphorical line in the sand. I, I think that it is. You know, Zoe, we just had Zoe in here, of course, talking to him and getting his take on it. Um, the fact that you could, you could be four and five, right? Or you could be four and seven. Yeah. Think about that. Can I, can I be honest with what, what I think is going to happen or in the next three weeks? Six, sorry. 
This is what I think is going to happen in the next three weeks, Wolf, because... <laughs> my math was all screwed up. Three and six. You got my point. <laughs> you know, we, we gave them some stuff with some you know, misplay. Um, <laughs> we expected to play the stuff that we did play much better than we did, and it seemed like we were real loose on you know, run-after-catch stuff as well. Um, we, we, we did not plan to be off them as much as it wound up looking like, and, and uh, that was not the plan, so I'm going to see why that happened. Uh, you know, it really, it's just such an out-of-character out game across the board that I, I don't even recognize this. <laughs> Pete, what are you saying? But also you're so winning good. every week. No, you got to pull that, man. That's my problem with math, ladies and gentlemen. You got to pull that. What a huge difference there is between four and five and three and six. This is what I think this happens. This is the game. Because I know you love making predictions. I think they beat Seattle. I don't think they beat San Francisco. Mm. And so to me, that, that adds up wow. to their entire the season game. coming down to the Rams again. <sighs> man, we'll see. Can you imagine? You may be right on that one, man. And I'm not even sure how I feel about that. Because the Rams aren't nearly as good as they were last year, but they always give the Cardinals problems. But the Cardinals should have beat them earlier this year. So... And by should have, I don't mean like it was a bad officiated game or something. They just couldn't score. Look, there's Shaq. Yeah, look, at there's four Shaqs in that commercial right there. They're probably all talking about Can't Stop the Rain. You've been talking about him all show. Yeah, and now he's just populating on that TV screen. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What's the key for the Cardinals against Seattle on Sunday? We're going to get into it next. It's going to be a little What Will Wolf Watch Thursday edition. Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, my goodness. I love this right here. A little rejoin. Bring it down. Um, Welcome to the Wolf and Luke show. Ron Wolfley reporting for duty. The Arizona Cardinals are getting ready, of course, to take on the Seattle Seahawks. So what will I watch is the question. What do you say you bring me that beautiful music? What will Wolf watch? The Renaissance of Geno Smith. Oh, thank you, Maynard. The Renaissance, French for rebirth, is a period in European history marking the transition from the Middle Ages to modern enlightenment. It covered the 15th and 16th centuries and was characterized by an attempt to revive and surpass the efforts of classical antiquity. Although Geno Smith never majored in classical antiquity, he has experienced a rebirth on the gridiron. Smith's personal renaissance has lifted his teammates, coaches, and offense into the national spotlight. The Seattle Seahawks are the toast of the NFC West at 5-3. and three. And analysts, pundits, and the NFL Anade believe they're witnessing history. The term Middle Ages was coined by scholars in the 15th century to designate the interval between the downfall of classical world of Greece and Rome and its rediscovery at the beginning of their own century. 
a revival in which they felt they were participating. Geno Smith didn't live during the Middle Ages, but he is very familiar with the Dark Ages. His first two years in New York saw him start 30 games, throw 34 picks, and get sacked 71 times. Although he wasn't wearing a cloak and goatskin boots, his play at quarterback was medieval, and all the creativity of the feudal system was at bear, including this season. Smith has only played in 23 games since the fall from royalty, becoming a peasant in the kingdom of quarterbacks. The Renaissance brought about the discovery and exploration of new worlds, literally and intellectually. It produced commerce, paper, printing, the compass, and gunpowder. Geno Smith doesn't need a compass anymore and has become gunpowder personified. The Seahawks offense starts with Geno Smith and his ability to throw the ball down the field. The advanced stat of completed air yards are the total yards completed passes traveled in the air past the line of scrimmage before being caught. Although that ridiculous description of a stat makes one stagger, all you need to know is Geno Smith is number three, behind only Tom Brady and Josh Allen. Geno is throwing the ball down the field, going deep, like Petrarch on humanism. Humanism was an intellectual movement that gained traction in Italy. Dante Alighieri, oh Dante, and Petrarch were predecessors, humanists before it was labeled as such. The fall of Constantinople in 1453 saw many Eastern scholars escape to Italy, loaded with ancient knowledge in the form of Greek books, writings, and traditional scholarship. This was the spirit of the Renaissance. And it is these hallowed halls of antiquity that makes me think Geno Smith has experienced a football rebirth filled with the same social, political, and intellectual transformations that define the Renaissance. Smith no longer looks like he's afraid to make a mistake. The indecision has fled into the darkness, and the ball comes out with rhythm. He even runs the ball with more conviction. Humanism was initiated by men of letters rather than by clerics who had dominated medieval intellectual life. But as I watched the very human Geno Smith lead the Seattle Seahawks to the top of the NFC West, I think more of clerical knowledge than academia. The divine as opposed to the divine comedy. Isn't that right? Gino. Gino Smith and the Renaissance of Gino Smith is, um, it is moving to me to watch it because I haven't seen anything like it in the National Football League. Where you, ha- I'm trying to remember who that is—a a quarterback that has struggled the way that Geno Smith struggled—and then suddenly, I mean, 
Rich Gannon? And, uh, like, Rich Gannon. But even Rich Gannon had some modicum of success. Who was the guy that, remember the first time around with the XFL? And then he, Tommy Maddox, who like got to play for... A, Tommy but that, Maddox. But that's, but that's, that's a yeah. long time, and it's not the same, because Geno Smith has been in the league, and he's been forgotten. It's... Geno Smith. Quarterback. Look at a Tommy Maddox profile. Overhyped, underrated. Those are two words we've heard throughout the draft process to describe the six foot three, two hundred eighteen pound Geno Smith. There's no debating Smith's big playability. He threw for more than four thousand yards in back to back seasons in Morgantown, including forty two hundred with forty two touchdowns and just six interceptions last year. Smith has proven to be mentally tough. His ninety eight to twenty one touchdown to interception ratio the past three seasons is proof he doesn't try to force passes in where they don't belong, and he's not afraid to take a hit in the pocket. Smith also gets high marks for accuracy, arm strength, and durability as he started all 39 games in his final three seasons with the Mountaineers. One of the things that's truly amazing is just watching Geno Smith make decisions, man. That's where he was truly messed up when he was when he was playing with the Jets. He was all over the place. He, he could not make the right decision. Now he's making so many good decisions and protecting the ball and pulling it down even and running the ball when need be. It, it would be a much more enjoyable story for me if he wasn't on the Seahawks in the Cardinals division doing this. Yes. Um, you look at his quarterback rating. It's number three in the NFL. It's behind only Tua and Patrick Mahomes. Boy, Tyreek Hill must be very conflicted over that. Tua and Patrick Mahomes being the top two quarterbacks. Yeah. Look, he doesn't. He, he's not Josh Allen. There's there's guys behind him on this list you would rather have Joe Burrow, but you can't deny what he has done this year. And yet, Wolf, I, maybe I'm falling into the trap. I go into this game, and I think this is of the next three games the most winnable for the Cardinals. And and this is the team that's actually in first place in the division. And it's not for me just because of Geno Smith. It's not like, oh, I don't believe what he's doing. He's yeah. done it now for half the season. I just feel like as a team, they are more beatable than even the Rams and certainly the 49ers. But you're going to have to force Geno to turn the ball over. Like You're going to have to put him in a position where he's uncomfortable, and, and teams aren't doing that yeah, right now. No, you're right about that. Um, that's the one thing about it, though. The Arizona Cardinals, the last time around, they sacked him five times, if I'm, if I'm right on you're right. that. Is it, am I really? They had five sacks because Seattle had six, remember? There it is. Yeah. Once again, I, I swear, I'm not looking at it. Um, I just recall. Well, I'm not either, so we might both be wrong. Okay, okay, good. Oh, no. You said that without even checking. I know, I know okay. I'm right. I, I don't trust myself. It. I'll okay, double check it, but I know problem. I'm right on that one. Um, but again, this is something they've got to do because the Seattle Seahawks, they protect Geno Smith. Geno has protected the ball um, very well. And not only that, um, they have protected Geno Smith very well. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, look, I'm amazed. It's inspiring to me to watch Geno Smith perform the way that he is right now. It's like, where did this come from? Where? You're talking about a guy that is right up there with the best of the best. And now all of a sudden, we're talking about through eight games here. Eight. 
five sample sacks. size. Gr- it is five sacks for thirty-seven oh yards. My goodness. Seattle sacked uh, <laughs> Kyler six times for fifty-one yeah, baby. yards. Do you uh, do you want to throw it to break since you had to bring it back from break? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, that? that was pretty solid. You practice for when Luke's on vacation. Oh no, so that's huge. okay because you'll be bringing us back, Ben Maloney. <laughs> or or when I just get hung up in the break room like I just did finding food. Uh, there is a Western Conference team that's having cursory talks with the Nets that would return a veteran shooter, and Ben Simmons' name came up. That Western Conference team beat the Suns. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable even saying that. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Is this Shaq? Yes, right. <laughs> Did you see the, the big smile on my face? Um, All I wanted to hear today was can't stop the rain. And I credit Maloney for being able to find a part where you could air it on the radio. Oh, okay. So did Shaq do- Oh, Rick did that. Oh, way to go, Rick. Well, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do with uh, okay, Shaq's yeah. musical career. Okay, there you go. When was this? Do you know? Stop the Rain. Do you remember, I've, though? Yeah, I have not. I mean, if you had to guess. So. Well, he was a uh, 92, I'm going to guess. I don't know. I mean, he Are doesn't even serious? sound like Shaq here, does Man, he? Man, I did not know that. I have no idea if that's when. I'm now going to have to look that up during the break. Okay. When was he a rookie? He was a rookie, like, early 90s, wasn't he? <laughs> early 90s? Um, okay. I'll go 93. <laughs> 93. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh. I mean, I, I would imagine I was playing then. Yeah, was, he, that wasn't your tunnel time music? Yeah, not no, listening that to was not tunnel time. <laughs> you were out of control, so you didn't have time to listen yeah, to Shaq. Right. All right. Um, the story that was up, uh, Ian Begley was originally the one who mentioned it. And I will grant you, this is a lot of connecting dots that might not even, maybe shouldn't even be connected, okay? But uh, there was, there's a tweet up on, on NBA Central referencing Ian Begley. said the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets had been in, quote, cursory talks, which I had to look up earlier, yes. unquote, with one Western Conference team about a deal that would return a veteran shooter, and Ben Simmons' name came up in those talks. So the original way we were going to talk about this is, is there any chance Jay Crowder is that veteran shooter? Is that how he's viewed? I mean, he likes to shoot. I don't know if he would be viewed as a veteran shooter, but he could be. This is such a vague tweet. And then if that were the case, does that mean Ben Simmons would be coming up in the talks involving the Suns? Yeah. I don't know that he would fit anything that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know about that either. Um, I agree with you on that one right there. And once again, though, I've got a problem with the story only because when you say a cursory yeah. conversation, what you're what you're saying is you barely touched on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like barely and, touching on a story in a story that might not be a story. Exactly. But where so I, it's kind of hard. Where I do think this is a story is is Brooklyn trying to move Ben Simmons. Sons or not. Could is, you believe Brooklyn, that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because when you and I kind of played this out earlier... And okay, yeah, you're you're James Jones, and I and I'm Brooklyn. Okay, yeah, you, hey, you want um, you know, 
You know, James, we, we could use maybe a veteran shooter. You got any? I know you, you're kind of having yeah, a hard time with Jay Crowder. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you called because uh, we have Jay Crowder. Okay, yeah, we're interested in that. Is there any way you could please take Ben Simmons off no. our hands? Yeah, that, no. That would qualify you. as cursory talk, that, right? There it is right there. <laughs> and then you'd move on. Yes. Right? That would be it. Bada bang. Maybe some laughter from James. Um, I don't want that on my team. No, yeah, thank you. It's just, it's very difficult right there. But again, it speaks to the situation of Jay Crowder. And how difficult that situation still is. Do you think James Jones, stop and think about this for a minute right now. Do you think the Phoenix Suns and James Jones and Monty Williams would like some resolution with the Jay Crowder situation? Yes, but not as much as Jay Crowder would. Um, Because I don't think it's impacting the Suns anymore. Yeah, I, I I I would I would agree with that, but for James Jones, it is a distraction. Well, he keeps getting it. asked about it. It's just you know, yeah. it is. It's a distraction right now. I'd want to do away with it as soon as I possibly could. Have you gotten any offers on Jay Crowder? Look, the Rams apparently got multiple offers on Cam Akers, who they've openly said they don't want. <laughs> so I'm assuming the Suns got some sort of offer for Jay. They Crowder. had to get some type of offer for Jay Crowder from somebody. Why is he still here? If, in fact, Jay Crowder is right, because Jay Crowder said, hey, listen, you know, don't sit here and say it's because I wouldn't sit the bench. That much we do know. And well, We've got a report that is out there, right? Yeah. and you buy the report? I did. James Jones didn't shoot that down, remember? They they asked him about it the next day, and he's just, just kind of like, I'm just going to leave that, which That's he right. should do as the GM. It's funny when you say, how distracting do you think this is for James Jones? I hear what you're saying, and and I don't disagree. Like, that's a distraction. It's something that you're going to keep hearing about. James Jones, just specifically, though, never sounds distractible, does he? He's no. always just kind of like, yeah. No, but he is my human. coffee and watch my that. basketball. I know that he is human. And not only that, the guys in the locker room are human as well. Well, and the, I think they were all pretty good friends with Jay Crowder. I agree. Unless they, they really had us fooled last year. I, I, I know. No, I don't think. I, I think he really was that kind of influence. But I think he was a heavy hand, man. I think he was a heavy hand. He was one of these guys. You're going to come in here. You're going to work and you're going to do it. And we're not going to sit here and we're not going to laugh. And we're, we're going to go about our business. I, I, I think, unless I'm, I'm misreading it, I think maybe Jay Crowder, the intensity of Jay Crowder, um, didn't just happen when he stepped in between the lines in a game. I think it probably was around even in between those games. Yeah, I don't think you just flipped that switch. The Suns were, in a lot of ways, endearing last year because they 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 were like a group of friends, yeah. right? And every you know you got that group of friends. Everybody kind of plays a different role in the group of friends, right? But Jay Crowder was definitely that guy of, hey, okay, we're all going out tonight. If things go down, Jay Crowder's going to be in the middle of it. <laughs> that's yes. basically what it was. And so they don't have that this year. There is part of me that still wonders if they are going to need that later in the season or in the playoffs. Somebody like that, you know, a guy like Devin Booker can stand up for himself. I don't want Devin Booker getting thrown out of a game the next time there's an altercation with the Warriors, though. I'd rather, sorry, Jay, I'd rather have Jay Crowder step in and pick up the two technical fouls or whatever. So... It's not It's not like they don't miss Jay Crowder and you can just let him go for nothing. I just, they're six and one start and guys on the bench being better than, at least than I expected, yeah. makes it where you have the Suns waiting this out and you have Jay Crowder waiting this out. If I'm the Suns, I'm fine waiting for a while. If I'm Jay Crowder, I'm freaking out. 
Yeah, and once again, I think of the players. Sorry. Um, that's where my mind goes because that's what I did. I, I know what it's like to be inside a locker room and for there to be some serious discourse with some of your best players and maybe the organization, maybe the coaching staff. I know what that's like and all the questions that the media asks you every day. You have to either um, address those those questions with answers or you just have to say no comment and you know but it becomes a distraction in and of itself like when bernie kozar bernie kozar and bill belichick were at it 1993 i believe the year can't stop the rain okay okay (laughs) whatever did you check it was it i'll check it during the break okay i'm just saying though you know what that was a distraction. It was a huge distraction. You always had to answer questions about it right now. Do you think there are players inside the Suns locker room who are talking to Jay Crow? Yes. Yes. 100%. You, you think that's, that's a possibility? They're talking to him on the phone. They might even go out to lunch with him. Is that a distraction? <sighs> I think it could be. I, I, it's something... That I don't think is going to derail them, but you just totally kind of rather agree. streamline it, right? Yeah, at the You'd same rather... time, it is a distraction. And the other, at the most basic level, and by the way, Can't Stop the Rain, November of 1996, so I was way off. Well, you were. I, I'm, it's embarrassing for all of us that I was that uh, that wrong. Um, it's, he's <laughs> in the most just basic, like the business of basketball terms, Jay Crowder is an asset that you're not getting anything from right now. And if you are in a rebuild or you're kind of a like, hey, we maybe we're a fringe playoff team, you can get away with that. But if you're trying to win the title, we even saw it last year from the Warriors. The Warriors who had everything, like they pretty much had everything working by the end of the season other than like James Wiseman wasn't playing. And it took all of it to win the title. So if you're if you're serious about winning the title, and the Suns very clearly are, at a certain point, you have to get this resolved. Either Jay Crowder has to come back, or you have to get something usable for Jay Crowder. Yeah. So, I'm yes, surprised. in that respect. I, I am. I, I'm shocked that nothing has happened on that front. Well, I am shocked. And the other thing is, like, if nothing's happened now, when do you think it's going to happen? He sent out that original tweet about needing change. I know. Man. Three months ago. Was it was it three? Yes, it was August first. Oh my! We were goodness. out at Cardinals training camp. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm shocked. There's been no movement on that. I mean, he's a pretty big piece of this team for two of their best years in franchise history, all the way to the finals, up 2-0, and then 64 wins, franchise record last year. All right, we come back. Patrick Peterson is not done talking. We played a couple clips earlier. We're going to try and play as many as we can when we get back. It's uh, the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.